Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now, here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to the show. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. You're listening to episode 227. Got a great show for you. Let's go straight into it. I'm thrilled to have two guests on my show today who uh, they've never been on, but uh, they are fans. Well, they said they've listened at least once, so that's good. And there's two of them, so hopefully they've listened to more episodes than that. They reached out to me because they've got a few pieces of advice that I think should be shared with you, my listening audience, because uh, they've done some uh, cool things. They've done some things that uh, they kind of regret. And whenever somebody does something they kind of regret, uh, that's great because – Hopefully, then, you are able to avoid what they did. So I want you to welcome Brian and Clayton, the co-founders of Overworld Games. Brian, Clayton, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Richard. Yeah, thanks for having us. Now, we, just so everybody knows, we are in three uh, uh, different locations. Um, Brian, you're in the San Francisco North Bay area. Uh, excuse me, uh, East Bay. You're in Dublin, California. Yep. I happen to be in San Jose. And Clayton, you're in Baltic, South Dakota. Yes, I'm one of three people in the, the town right now. I bet, I bet. And I, and I, I said that. So you're just, uh, you said about uh, 10 miles outside of Sioux Falls? Uh, I think it's about 15 miles, yeah. Oh, there you go. We've got to be careful because there's probably, a, is there a town in between? Um, maybe if it counts as a town, I guess. <laughs> there's, there's some yeah, stuff, a little bit. Right. Yeah. South Dakota. I, uh, that's a that's I've been there. I've been through. Have I been through Baltic? If I if I drove on I ninety uh, in between going somewhere else, does I ninety pass through? Uh, no, no. You would have passed just south of Baltic. Okay, okay. Just missed it. All right. Next time, next time I'm passing through in January. Right. <laughs> I've, I I wouldn't recommend it. Got it. All right. All right. Especially in January. Yeah, but if I need this place to stop and spend the winter, I, I guess your yours is as good as any, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. There we go. There we go. Next time I have to stop somewhere in South Dakota and spend the winter, I'm spending it with you. All right, gentlemen, sure. welcome to the show. Um, we're going to talk about – you guys launched a campaign last year um, that – it did. It, actually, it did pretty good. Um, not from a money standpoint. Well, it did okay from a money. You funded um, enough money to actually print the game. Uh, good Cop, Bad Cop. A uh, Was it 54-card game? Yep, yep, and it actually it was uh, earlier this year. Oh, was it earlier? Oh, wow. What month? Yep. I guess we're in August, so that's uh, time has flown. Right, yeah. time has flown by. So you actually uh, successfully, and then it's uh, from what I understand, you just had it. It's actually in the process of being delivered here within the next couple of weeks, right? Yeah. Yep. We'll be. Uh, we said we deliver in August, and we're going to make that happen. That's cool. Uh, that's cool because uh, your this is your first. Pro that was your first project, uh, Good Cop, Bad Cop, and you. Um, you have this game coming out, and it's interesting because you started off – well, you know what? We're going to talk about that. What we're going to talk about um, as we get to it is three things, as you and I were talking, the three of us, three kind of risks to a, a successful Kickstarter campaign, three risks that you kind of addressed. Some of them kind of got you and other ones that were able to – you were able to avoid only after kind of backtracking and avoiding it. So let's talk about that. And let's start with the first one, and that is art. Um, where did you guys go for your – got a new Kickstarter campaign that's launching right about the same time that we're broadcasting this episode called New Salem. So first of all, tell me about New Salem. Yeah, um, I can take that one. Um, so New Salem is a hidden identity uh, game. The two primary mechanics are actually drafting and set collection though. Um, it's set in the Salem Witch Trials, 
and uh, everybody uh, who's playing the game is uh, is a citizen of the town of Salem, Massachusetts. And uh, everybody's just kind of sick of all of the witches and the evil that they bring to Salem. So they decide to create a new town, and they're going to call it New Salem. And uh, hopefully it's going to be witch-free. But uh, some of the people who found New Salem uh, could be witches. And so then the drafting part, everybody's drafting buildings, and it's uh, similar to Seven Wonders-style drafting. Um, Everybody just takes a building. Uh, Part of your hidden identity uh, is that you have a couple building types that will give you victory points at the end of the game. So you're trying to draft those types of buildings. But then the buildings will also bring either hope or despair, usually, into the town, into the town of New Salem. So if if you're a Puritan, you're either a Puritan or a witch. If you're a Puritan, um, you're going more for the hope. If you're a witch, you're going more for the despair. Um, but everybody's drafting buildings, playing buildings. Uh, while you're doing this, you're gathering clues about who might be a witch. Um, and then you have an opportunity to use the hope that you've collected from your buildings. Um, you actually have to give the hope to someone else. Uh, they'll trigger an event with that hope that will you can you know put a, put a witch on trial um, or do some other things to like remove despair from your town. But at the end of the game, um, you're either going to be there's a there's a level of despair. You're either going to be over it or under it. And if you're over it, the witch with the most victory points will win. If you're under it, the Puritan with the most victory points will win the game. Interesting. Okay. Some nice uh, conflicts of interest uh, that people are trying to do things. Okay. I like that. This is your second campaign. This one's a little bit more complex than your first one. And this is one of the things uh, that we, we, we're going to talk about. But in this case, your art, it's kind of a distinct art. And where did you go for that art? Um, yeah, well, I'll uh, let uh, Clayton take most of this. One thing I want to say is that the, the art is absolutely gorgeous. It's by the Andrea Olgiati, who did the art for Winter Tales by Fantasy Flight Games. Oh, awesome. So awesome. As, okay. soon, as soon as I saw that game and saw that art, um, I just fell in love with it. And I, when we, were, when we you know, started creating a game about witches, um, I just knew that that was the art that we had to have. But uh, I'll let Clayton talk more about the art. He's he's uh, he's kind of taken up the role of the art director for this game. So Clayton, um, so, well, yep. so let me give you a, a talking point then to address that because as we were talking, one of the ch- uh, risks that you faced was is that okay, you 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 reached out further afield. You found some art. Um, Brian saw some art. He he wanted your task. Okay, go get the art. You go get the art, and then uh oh, you discovered a problem. Well, there was a bit of a problem getting the art. Yeah, so when we uh, reached out to Andrea um, regarding the art, we, at that point, discovered that uh, he only speaks Italian. Um, We don't speak Italian, so that was a little bit of a problem. Um, But we, through the use of Google Translator, we found that we were able to communicate, and uh, we worked out some different ways that we can communicate kind of our uh, vision for the art style. Um, And so we do that maybe a little bit more graphically than verbally than what we would do if uh, with an English-speaking artist. I mean, were you scribbling, like, drawings and, and, like, taking pictures and sending them back and forth, that type of thing? Or h- how did you handle that? I mean, Google Translator will handle some of the, the spoken language or the written language, I guess. How, how did you handle the rest of it? Um, yeah, it was a lot of sketches. And uh, so then the notes on the sketches I would uh, use Google Translator for and um, – 
put some some words on those sketches, trusting that they were the right words, um, but put more trust in the sketch that I that I had that right and that it brought the concept through. And uh, and one thing that I think helps a lot too is that Andrea is really committed to to creating a um, complete work of art with the game, and so I think that brings out a um, motivation and a dedica- dedication on his part to really make that work and to do what he needs to, to, to understand um, where we're coming from, to make that all come together in the end too. Okay. So this, this, this is a good example of how art worked out. Well, you use Google translator, but art, we're going to move on to our second point, And that is how art can become a risk in your project. Good cop, bad cop. Uh, you were telling me that um, you really listened to your project, excuse me, your, your, uh, your backers, Yet that turned into a major problem for you uh, in the campaign. So, Brian, you were the one that was telling me about that, Th- this, this idea of a mid-campaign art switch. What was going on there? Yeah, so um, with uh, Good Cop, Bad Cop, we started out with a, a pretty simple but very straightforward uh, art style. Um, and, and Clayton has some experience um, in that area, so he, he actually did it. Um, and it was, it was great. It was um, – a lot of people really liked it because it was just so there was no confusion. You know, you, you, you saw what you had to do in the game and it was just very clear. Um, but some people said that they wanted some, some actual arts in the game that, you know, um, kind of an art, art upgrade. Um, and so we, we heard from a handful of people and, um, you know, I would say maybe six to 10 people kind of commented on that. Um, and you know, one person started it and then it kind of snowballed a little bit and, um, and so this was our first campaign. We were worried, you know, what, you know, this is, this is a major, this would be a major change for us. Um, it was a 45 day campaign. Um, and that actually gave us enough time to find an artist, um, get some quotes, um, change our stretch goals completely, um, to change them more from kind of component upgrades, um, and some other things, um, accessories and that kind of thing, um, into art. And so now, um, we did that right in the middle of the campaign and, um, everybody, you know, really seemed to like that. They were, you know, uh, excited that they were going to be able to, to change the way the game was going to look and, um, for, for the better. Uh, and then, and, wh- and then what happened? Uh, well, we, um, we did that and the art looks great. It looks really good. Um, the way it is, it's more of kind of a, a comic book style art. It looks awesome. Um, but some people started talking about how, you know, now they, they actually preferred the simplicity of the original art style. Um, and it, it cost, you know, a good amount of money, especially our campaign was under $6,000, um, you know, after funding. And so um, we spent a good chunk of that on upgrading the art. And maybe we didn't have to. You know, I, I still think it, it looks it looks great. We're, we're so happy with how it turned out. But um, it, maybe that money could have been used elsewhere for some other stretch goals. If you're giving some advice to a campaign project owner who finds himself in a similar situation where some vocal people are expressing a desire that you do something rather drastic, what advice do you give them now that you've done one and you're about to launch another one? Go for it, Clayton. Um, I would say, you know, I think at that point, when you when you have uh, planned your campaign and you know you have a pretty solid idea of uh, what all your expenses are going to be, things like that, taking on that kind of expense um, can be a really big risk. Uh, we we if we hadn't planned it right, we definitely could have lost money. So I think at that point, um, 
you know, the, the other thing that I learned from it is I think that it's best, especially with something that is such a major change to have a, to, to know where you're going with it when you launch the campaign and know this is the product we're creating and anyone who backs this project, this is the product that they want. Um, so that, and, and knowing that it's not going to be for some people, um, rather than, uh, trying to adjust it to please the most people. Um, because I feel like what we found is that the people who we heard from at first, it was people who wanted different art. And then once we started working on the new art, it was people who preferred the old art style. So I, I think you're going to hear more, um, from people who want to change than from people who are satisfied with how it is. Those people just back. And so what do you, what do you do then? Uh, they want you to change. They, here's their advice they're giving you. They want you to change. You got some uh, suggestions of what might be you, how do you handle that? I, I think we could have, um, done some kind of survey, um, put together like a, just a, a survey monkey kind of thing, send it out to everybody just to, uh, get a feel for, um, who really wants this change to be made. Um, so I think that would be one. That's one thing. That's a little tough yeah. to do. I have to admit that's a little tough to do in the middle of the campaign while you're trying to run everything and then you're trying to send surveys out. But I like I like what Clayton said. I'm, I'm going to go with that. I'm thinking of uh, as Jamie Stegmeyer has been on the show many times. Uh, he recently had a campaign where he knew people were going to ask for change. He actually knew they were going to ask for certain things from his campaign that he was not prepared to do. In the campaign, because Clayton, as you just said, he knew what he wanted, knew what his costs were, knew what his campaign was going to be, and he was going to stay in his lane. Uh, but what he did do was he reached out to fans and gave them a little talking point sheet. Kind of rallied the troops and said, here's what I'm going to do. Here's why I'm going to do it. And I could use your support when people start clamoring for change here are some talking points to support my decision of why I'm not going to change. Please help me with that. That's a fantastic idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, Jamie's a pretty smart guy when it comes to that type of thing. So you guys <laughs> yeah. are about to launch your second campaign. So I'm thinking that you could probably – I'm sure you've got some good fans, especially when the game starts hitting their hands here uh, in the next couple of weeks, that you should be able to have some – help them because it's always easier if the, if other fans step in and say, no, I think this is good. I think we're going to stick with this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We hope uh, we get some backers for new Salem, um, from good cop, bad cop. I think we will. It's the, the games are pretty similar. Um, they're both hidden identity games, so they, they have a similar feel to them. Um, new Salem, I think is a little bit darker. Um, and, uh, but I, I think, I think there's enough overlap where, where we'll, we'll definitely get some, some backers transferred over from okay. good cop, bad cop. Well, and we know they're going to, we know they're going to love good cop, bad cop too. So we just right. can't wait until they get it in their hands. Okay. Let's talk about this third one in the last few minutes that we have. And, uh, this is a really, um, this is an important one. Uh, another risk that can be hit, uh, particularly first time game designers. Jamie has talked about this a little bit. I just had JT from game crafter, uh, as a guest, I, I'm not sure when his episode is going to air. Either it's already aired or it's going to air. Uh, he addressed this issue, uh, but you've brought it up as well, and that is this concept of this growing component complexity because we all, we all like pieces to our game. It just makes the game feel more fun. Um, and you talked about how you kind of went through this process and kind of how it's gotten to you where, where you are here. Address that for me, Brian. What do you mean by growing component complexity? 
Yeah, um, about a year and a half ago, uh, Clayton and I came up with our first game. Um, it was uh, it's called Bodybuilders. It's a game about taxidermy, actually, um, where everybody is a uh, a taxidermist who's building their, themselves a friend with various animal parts. So you kind of collect these animal parts and build a, build a friend. It was it was we, we love the theme, it, and um, it was. Dude, um, dude, that sounds so creepy. I, that, is, that sounds so creepy. I'm glad you uh, love it, but it's, it. yeah. oh my gosh, it's giving me like good chills. Like, ugh, wow, wow, build a friend out of dead animal parts. Oh my gosh. All right, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Well, that was one of the reasons we thought that it would draw people to our campaign. Too, sure. Just because of the theme. But um, it was um, it was fairly complex. It was um, you know there were player mats for everybody. There were dice. There were three different decks of cards, all with different size cards. Um, it, so it was much more complex and um we knew though that we didn't have much of a following so we we were going to have to put up some some of our our personal funds up front to make this happen uh the goal would it was going to have to be low enough uh to make it achievable but um we just uh, you know we were fairly naive um but we we created a kickstarter campaign campaign page um sent out review copies to a dozen people got a bunch of videos and and, and articles written up and we were just about to hit the launch button um and we stopped ourselves and decided that we could we could do this 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 game wasn't a good fit for our first kickstarter uh we could find a way to do this where um the the risk was much lower um and so we actually so good cop bad cop is a 54 card game and that became our first, first what was the the catalyst that caused you just to pull up short and say whoa 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 let's not push that button um it was it was just going over. I mean, when you when you create a Kickstarter campaign, you go over the finances over and over again to make sure you have you have everything perfectly in line. You're you know it, it's 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 kind of hard to to make it all all work when you're having uh, stretch goals and you know the cost of each unit going down the more that you produce. Um, there's a lot to 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 calculate, and so. Um, kind of that final time that we went through, we, we realized that, you know, we were probably gonna lose maybe, you know, $10,000 on this campaign, but we would be able to make our dream come true, which is cool. Um, so, but, but we just decided that we can do both. Um, we just got to wait. We just got to okay. wait. And so that, and so what you've done now, and here we are. So you went back, you, you reset good cop, bad cop, 54 cards, fairly straightforward game. Um, next campaign, this one, uh, new Salem, 170 cards, a uh, little higher goal, thirteen thousand, I think, is what you're asking for. So a little higher goal, a little bit more complexity, a few more stretch goals. This is a good strategy that I give to a lot of people for them to take the time to slowly build the complexity, because otherwise that component complexity can just get out of control and uh, cause a problem. And it's interesting because JT over at GameCrafter has said that using GameCrafter is a great way to figure out if your game has reached that too complex for your, particularly for your first one. So that's, that's a great, that's a great tie in. Yeah. And we do use the game crafter for all of our prototypes too. Awesome. Well, we'd like giving a shout out. If if anybody's listening and you aren't using the game crafter for your prototypes, please take a look at that. Uh, It was mind blowing what he, some of the things that he told me and the amount of uh, business that they're doing over there and they're just growing huge. I mean, the number of employees they have going over there full time, everything that's happening. So it was very exciting. All right. They're getting better too. Oh yeah, I mean they're getting the they're, quality they're, of everything is getting better. The the I tweeted about them actually earlier today about um, how they're getting faster too. You know, I yeah six months ago, you know, it was uh, taking probably twice as long as it as it has been now uh, to get a to get a, a game you know created and shipped out to us. So it's 
they're just getting better and better. They are. They're getting better. Well, gentlemen, we're out of time. I certainly appreciate you coming on the show and sharing a little bit of the uh, risks that you faced and somehow the, some of the ways that you overcame them. Thanks for joining me. Uh, thanks a ton, Richard. Yeah, thanks a lot. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guests have been Brian and Clayton, the co-founders of Overworld Games. We are uh, talking about their new project, New Salem, and they shared three risks. Uh, taking art, getting art from outside the U.S. in non-English speaking or non-native, non-native speaking language. Uh, mid-campaign, listening to those backers that maybe you shouldn't listen to. And then the growing complexity of your components and how that can, uh, that can torpedo or submarine your campaign. Hopefully you've heard something inspiring. I always enjoy my guests like this. Thanks for listening. Take care. 